10, we will go to Acts chapter 10, and then Acts 22. Nobody get nervous. You're not going to be standing long. Acts chapter 2. I know we could quote this. You say, oh, Brother Perkins, we've heard that before. Well, hopefully, hopefully not on this wise. We'll see. Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Acts 2 and 37. You've got it. Say praise the Lord. Lord. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? I want to tell you that you need to have, you know, we quote Acts 2.38 a lot and we have a big hooting anytime. We jump up and down over that and and all that. And by the way, by the way, the guests that are here and you see us worshiping and dancing and dancing the way we do, uh, that's in the Word of God that we dance and we worship the way that we do. Uh, The Bible says, clap your hands, all you people. The Bible says, praise the Lord in the dance. Uh, Two times in the Old Testament, it says, in the book of Psalms, it says, praise the Lord in the dance. And somebody said, oh, it's just just Old Testament. No, in the New Testament, uh, uh, Acts chapter 3, the lame man leaped up and down after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and went into the place of worship, leaping up and down in the New Testament. That's not just Old Testament. Acts uh, 1 Corinthians 14, the Bible said if somebody comes in, you all prophesy, will they not fall on, your, on their face and worship God? So we have New Testament for demonstrative worship. All right? So, 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 so I just want to tell you that we're in the book of what we do around here. But, but, but Acts 2.37, we preach on Acts 2.38 all the time, but you cannot have Acts 2.38 before you have Acts 2.37. Amen. You cannot have a conversion before you have conviction. There's no such thing as conversion without conviction. It does not exist. And so they were pricked in their heart. And they said, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, why, you just accept the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior. I don't think so. Then Peter said unto them, you repent and you be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Here's why. It's a very important preposition. For the forgiveness or the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 10, verse 1, real quick. Acts 10 and verse 1. Acts 10 and 1. Real quickly, let me, let me roll through this. I know you're standing. There was a certain man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms, which means charity, to the people, prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently, about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him, saying unto him, Cornelius, when he looked on him, he said, he was afraid, rather, and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa, and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. What do you mean what I ought to do? I pray to God always. I fear God. I, you know, what are you talking about? I've got nothing to do. I'm saved. I'm good to go, right? Not so much. Let's look at verse uh, 37 real quick. When Peter comes, he starts preaching. In verse 37, he opens his mouth. He says, and this is important. We'll see why in a minute. That word I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Skip down to verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which, which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, how did they know that? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. The Greek text is in the name of Jesus Christ. Most translations say in the name of Jesus Christ. And so I'm I'm going to let you be seated. But listen, hold on. I want to talk to you about the biblical plan of salvation. 
the biblical plan, not religion, but what it takes to be saved in the Bible, in the Word of God. God bless you. Be seated. And while, while, you are, while you're being seated, I'm going to read one scripture. You don't have to put it up, sister, but I'm going to read it. Saul is talking to, Ananias is talking to Saul. Listen to this. He said, and now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, you know, I talked to you about, by the way, before I get started, my wife uh, apologizes. She's sick tonight. This has happened. I think I counted this earlier up. This has, I think, happened maybe four, maybe five times in the last three years. We don't believe in missing church. But she's very sick. She uh, started getting sick before uh, church, and she just figured she's got to run out of here. So Pastor Maddox was kind enough to uh, let her just, uh, she should be better by tomorrow. But I'm planning on telling her, you won't be going Dairy Queen with me, bless God. If you can't go to church, I'm going to be Dairy Queen by myself. <laughs> but I'm just picking. She, she don't feel good. Well, well listen, I want to tell you that in, in Acts 2.37, when the Apostle Peter or, or rather, the convicted sinner said to them, they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, now I want to tell you, and I'm not boasting, please, God, don't think that, okay? But, but I, think, I think I've had 12, if I can remember correctly, 12 moderated or, or rather public debates uh, all over the world. And not one time has anyone ever debated whether or not the question from the lips of convicted sinners regarding salvation is still the same. Every theologian, I don't care what denomination they belong to, everybody agrees that the question regarding salvation is still the same. The question is still, men and brethren, what shall we do? Well, I want to tell you that if the question is still the same, then so is the answer. The answer is also still the same. Repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If the question's the same, so is the answer. And, and, and what a more important topic that we could discuss than what it takes to be saved biblically. I mean, you would think that people would tremble at the Word of God. I mean, we're going to stand before a holy and just God one day, and we're going to give an account of our lives. And, and John said in the book of Revelation, he said, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books, everybody said books, were opened. The, the Greek word for books is it's a plural noun, it's biblion, it's where we get the English word what? Bible. And so the Bible was open, the books, the 66 books of the Bible, and every man was judged out of them according to their deeds, whether they be good or evil. Yeah. Proverbs 30 and 6 said, Do not add to his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. I'm going to tell you tonight, we're not going to be judged by your friends. You won't be judged by your co-workers. You won't be judged by your grandma. You won't be judged by that cigarette-smoking uncle that's got all the answers. But you'll be judged by the Word of God tonight. Jesus said in John 12, 48, that the words that I have spoken, the same will judge a man at the last day. What words did Jesus speak? He said, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that does not believe shall be condemned. Matthew 28 and 19, Jesus said, that, told his disciples, you go and you make disciples or, or teach all nations. And, and this is how you make disciples. I won't get into the Greek too much here, but, but the Greek uh, uh, translated make disciples is in what's called the imperative mood. It's no, nothing Greek. I mean, nothing, well, it's Greek, but it's nothing deep. It's uh, imperative mood. just simply means it's a command. Jesus is giving a command. You make disciples, and here's how you do it. By baptizing them in the one single name, and by teaching them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Jesus said in John chapter 3, and, and you know, we always see the signs held up. It says John 3.16. 
3.16. And I think to myself, why don't we ever see a sign held up that says John 3 and 5? You see, selectivity, I I don't want to be too hard here, but I'm telling you, selectivity will cause people to go to hell. If you select out of the Word of God what you like and then refuse what you don't like, I'm just telling you, selectivity will send people to the eternal lake of fire. As for me and my house, I want to be saved, brother. I don't care about being a Pentecostal. I want to be a Christian. I want to be saved in eternity. And, and, And Jesus said, except a man's born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, Nicodemus said to him, how, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? You're not getting a cat. Except a man's born again of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. John 3 and 8, he said the wind blows where it wants to, and you hear the sound thereof. And then he said, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Listen, joining a church is not going to save you. Uh, signing a church role is not going to save you. Uh, going to church once a week, two, three times a week is not even going to save you. Uh, accepting Christ as your personal Savior is not going to save you. you got to be born again of water and of Spirit to enter into the kingdom of God. And, and the, the, the John 3 and 8, again, the wind blows at 1, you hear the sound. Everybody said sound. It is the Greek word phone. It's where we get the word phonics, and it means voice or language. And then he said, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You'll hear a voice or a language from everyone that is born of the Spirit. Come on now. When was this fulfilled? This was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Suddenly there came a sound as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. I want to tell you the way the Holy Ghost fell the first time is the way it still falls. The way there baptized the first time is the way they're still baptized. One Lord, one faith, and one baptism. In, in Acts chapter 10, we read where Cornelius was a good man. And now let me deal with some objections to this position. I want to be fair here. Uh, Cornelius was a good man. Feared God with all his house. Uh, in fact, if you read the Lucan narrative, he's on a four-day fast whenever this, all of these events take place. And, and so he's fasting. He prays to God always. He fears God with his whole house. And an angel appears to him. And he says, you need to send for an apostolic preacher. He'll tell you what to do to be saved. What? I'm already saved. What are you talking about? I pray to God always. I fear God with my whole house. Surely, no, you still need to hear some apostolic preaching, Cornelius. There's still some things you need to do, Cornelius. And, and, And so... Here's what they, here's what they say. Uh, what, what the, our detractors and our doctrinal opponents will say. They'll say, oh, that's because Cornelius did not have an, a knowledge of Jesus Christ. He only knew of the God of Israel. Two problems. Number one, he was a Gentile. He would not have a lot of familiarity with the God of Israel. Number two, whenever Peter started preaching, he said that that word I say to you, you already know how that God anointed Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, and he went about doing good. They did have knowledge of Jesus Christ. Peter said they had knowledge of Jesus, but he wasn't born again of water and of spirit yet. And when he was born again of water and the spirit, then Peter went on down the road after a while, because then you're biblically born again, and you're biblically saved at this point. And so, we were in Boise, Idaho one time, and first debate I ever did, and this guy brought up, and I knew it was coming, but but, but we were debating on, is water baptism necessary for salvation? And he was saying, no, I was saying it absolutely is. The Bible's clear it is. And so, and so he said, he said, well, okay, but in Acts chapter 10, they, they received the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues before they're water baptized. He said, tell us, Mr. Perkins, were they, were they lost or were they saved before they're baptized? They're speaking in tongues. So God sanctified them, he's saying. He says, before they're 
baptized. So how then can baptism be necessary for salvation? He said, I want to know were they lost or were they saved at that point. I took the pulpit and our podium. I said, I want to tell you. I said, they were still lost and I can prove it right now. Whenever the angel of the Lord came to Cornelius, he said, you send for Peter. His words will be words whereby you will be saved. And so what Peter commands is part of that salvation process. And after they're speaking in tongues, Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And the angel said, his words will be words whereby you shall be saved. It's a part of the process, you see. And, 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 and so then I'll tell you this too the reason that the Holy Ghost fell on them first and they spoke in other tongues was as a sign to the Jews that God had now engrafted in the Gentile people and they were now a part of the same uh, olive tree if you please as you are so now you are to accept them Peter even said that when he said what was I that I could deny them who had they had received the same gift like as we had and so I was I was doing a, uh, I was used to work, I used to be over the housekeeping division of, in, 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 uh, in the nursing homes before I launched out my own business, and, and I'd become a regional over, over numerous, uh, over numerous uh, nursing homes, and so, so I'm in this, in this resting home one time, and the administrator came to me, and I was pastoring down in Mississippi at the time, and she came to me, she said, hey, Mr. Perkins, we, uh, you know, we know that you're pastoring here at, uh, in town, and uh, we'd like you to be on our spirit team, <laughs> and I said, well... We might need to have a little talky-talk about that first. <laughs> see, 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 what you're going to want me to do is you're going to want me to tell people to accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior on their deathbed and then tell them they're saved. I knew what the Spirit team did, and I can't do that and be biblically right with the Word of God. So I said, why don't we have a little Bible study first? So all the department heads came in there, and we're sitting there in the conference room, and we're doing a Bible study. And, and brother, I want to tell you, my land, brother, it got so tight up in there. It got so, I mean, you could just see, uh, I'm doing so tight, brother. And, and, and this lady, the administrator, uh, who thought she, anyway, she thought she knew what she didn't know. But she said, she said, uh, she, she said well, she said, Mr. Perkins, she said, I want to tell you. She said, uh, she said you, you, you received the Holy Spirit the moment that you accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Now, this is the administrator, the, the head honcho. I said, Sally, I'm going to tell you, at first place, accept the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior is nowhere in that book. It's nowhere in the Word of God. I said, secondly, uh, the, in Acts chapter 8, the Samaritans, the Bible said they believed the preaching of Philip. Uh, they, they, they had, they had, there was many miracles that went on. They believed in the name of Jesus. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And yet, the Holy Ghost had fell on none of them. I said, you do not receive the Holy Spirit once you uh, automatically accept the, uh, Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Besides that, Jesus said that you will hear a sound coming from that individual whenever they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She told me, she said, well, I've received the Holy Spirit, but I never spoke in tongues. Well, you didn't receive the Bible Holy Spirit then, because in the Bible they spoke in other tongues. And don't worry... I'm fixing to get on them tongues here in a minute. Don't worry. I'm fixing to explain tongues here in just a moment. But, but in Acts chapter 19, the Bible said that it came to pass. That, I didn't read it tonight, but let me quote it to you. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, the Apostle Paul, having passed through and came through the upper coast of Ephesus. Everybody say Ephesus. There's a reason why I'm emphasizing that. And said unto them, have you received, or rather, he saw some disciples of John the Baptist. He said unto them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? See, it matters what way you're baptized, all right? And they said, unto John's baptism. He said, well, there's your issue. John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe uh, 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 on Him that should follow after Him, that is on Christ Jesus. Now when they heard this, uh, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid His hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and the number was twelve people altogether. And, and so why that's so important is because, let me, let me give you a great illustration 
frustration. I, when I was pastoring back in Mississippi, I was trying to get on the local radio show. To I, I remember I'd be driving down the road and the local radio show, they still do it to this day. Their, their mantra, their, 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 I don't know, motto, if you please, is uh, we, we speak the things pertaining sound doctrine. And brother, I'd hear that and I'd be going, and be driving down the road. And I'd say, please let me get on this thing. And so I, I went to them and, and me and the... Uh, the, the radio guy was sitting there one day, and he's trying to tap into me. He's trying to feel me out, my doctrine. And, and finally, I just said, I said, look, man, I said, you just want to know my doctrine. Let's just, just get to it. And he, he said, yeah. And so I told him what we believe, and, and, and he said, oh, well, Mr. Perkins, he said, you know, you're teaching salvation by works. He said, I couldn't let you on my radio show. He said, because the Bible says that salvation is a free gift of God, lest any man should boast. It's not of works, he said, but it's the gift of God. And, and I said, well, sir, you, you know, you're quoting Ephesians chapters chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, I said, do you understand, do you know where that church was planted at? Do you know where that church started? Silent as a Texas oyster, brother. And, and I, I, said, uh, I, I said, well, sir, that, 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 that church started in Acts chapter 19 at Ephesus when Paul came to Ephesus and he found those disciples of John the Baptist in Ephesus uh, and they received the Holy Spirit and they spoke in other tongues uh, and they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then over in Ephesians, the same book you're quoting from, it says there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. I said, so he's writing to a church that started in Acts chapter Chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, they were water baptized in Jesus' name and already had the Holy Ghost. He just sat back and was quiet. He said, yes, I'm familiar with the passage, sir. Yeah, you are, but you never put them together, now did you? You, you never connected them together. You never put Acts 19 with, 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 with uh, Ephesians. And it's the same thing in the book of Romans, folks. Uh, anybody ever heard about the Roman road of salvation? We have to go travel the Roman road, and we'll go through Romans 3. They say, here's the issue. Romans was written to a church that started in Acts chapter 10 with the Roman centurion by the name of Cornelius. Uh, again, we just read it. They were baptized in Jesus' name. They had the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues. That is who Paul is writing to over in the book of Romans. He's writing to the church that started with the Roman centurion in the book of Acts chapter 10. And, and so uh, it, it's what, it's what uh, I've heard people call invasion of privacy. I was doing a, I was doing a d- debate once in, in uh, Texas. I was debating them uh, folks that don't believe in instrumental music in the church. I won't name no names, but they uh, don't believe that you can you can play instrumental music. So we, in fact, we debated that one night. But so we're going, and the guy keeps quoting from Colossians and Ephesians and Romans and all these books. And finally, I got up. I said, "Look, do we have a lawyer in the house?" I said, "Because we can get him for invasion of privacy." I said, "Here's why: because it is a felony to open mail that is not written or addressed to you." Did you know that? And I'm telling you that whenever someone opens the book of Colossians or they've opened the book, an an epistle written to the church that was already water baptized and already had the Holy Ghost and tries to say, well, that's not, baptism isn't necessary. You are opening a letter that is not written to you. That's written to the one God Jesus name, folks. That's written to the folks that's baptized in Jesus name. That's written to the folks that's got the Holy Spirit. And and so my, uh, my, my mother, my mother is, Married to a denominal, uh, denominal pastor. You can imagine what it's like around Thanksgiving around the house. But uh, and so we, uh, well, shortly after she got, uh, she got married, we we had a little little discussion. Let me say in the kitchen. And uh, so we're discussing. Uh, he's you know giving me all this reform stuff. You know all this Calvinism and and, and Luther stuff. And so we're going at it. And he. Uh, uh, he, he was saying that you don't have to do nothing to be saved. See, that's their doctrine. They teach that when Jesus said it is finished, then, then, then it's all finished. You don't have to do absolutely nothing uh, to be saved, which I, I guess that means you don't even have to believe in Jesus, right? You see, I mean, how far are we going to take that? And so they're saying that, you know, you know, Jesus said it's finished. It's called finished work doctrine, finished work theology. And so uh, he's saying that. I said, so, Mel, you don't have to repent to be saved. And, and, you know, he's going through all that. And I said, do you know that Acts 26 and 20 calls repentance a work? It sure does. And so he, he said, uh, he's grabbing his Bible and, he, and he's reading it there in Mama's kitchen, I remember. And, and he's quiet. And I'm thinking I maybe missed the verse or something. I said, well, it may be Acts 20 and 26. And he said, 
No, it's, it's, it's Acts 26 and 20. Oh, is it really, Mel? Yeah, see, you do have to repent to be saved. You do have to be baptized to be saved. And you do get to receive the Holy Spirit to be saved. That doesn't mean we're the ones doing the work. God's the one that does the work. We repent, He forgives. We're baptized, He remits our sins. We seek, He fills with the Holy Ghost. All the glory belongs to God. We don't get the glory. We give Him the glory. And so, in, in the last church, I'm, I'm at me and this lady are talking about it. And, and listen to this now. She says, she says, well, if anybody says you've got to be baptized, uh, she was a professor, so it was hard to work with her. She thought she knew, had all the answers. But she, she said, well, if, if, if anybody says you've got to be baptized, she said, then, she said, then they're, they're making water the, uh, the Savior. I said, no, Lisa, we're, we're not making water the Savior. I, I, uh, let me ask you something, though. Do, do you think that the preacher is the Savior? I mean, how shall they pre? How shall they hear without the preacher? Right? They can't be saved without hearing the gospel preached. Does that make the preacher the savior? No, it doesn't. But the message that he preaches does save. And the same thing with the instrument of water baptism. The Bible clearly says in First Peter chapter three that 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 without, uh, or rather, that the like figure were unto even baptism does also not by itself, but does also now save us. And, and, and so, in John 12, 42, the Bible said that many of the chief priests believed on Him, but they would not confess Him. Tell me, which comes first, believing or confession? If the believing comes first, uh, then you're already saved, then why confess? If confessing comes first, then you're confessing something you don't believe in. So I'm just telling you that uh, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Forget the philosophy of men. Forget the religious word. You believe the Word of God. That's what's going to judge you someday. There's what's called the doctrine of human participation prior to the miracle in the Bible. That is to say, whenever you see a great miracle in the Word of God, you will see human participation prior to that miracle. Noah, I'm going to flood the earth. But you and your family is going to be saved. It's going to be a miracle. But now you're going to build that ark first. You're going to get involved in this thing. Those walls of Jericho are going to come down, but you're going to march around them seven days before they, before they come down. Uh, I, I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead, boys, but you're going to move the stone out of the way before I do that. Uh, those lepers are going to be healed when they go. Uh, uh, it's going to be a great miracle. They're going to be healed, but you're going to go show yourself to the priest uh, before that happens. Uh, I'm telling you that salvation is a miracle, all right? Uh, and God requires our participation uh, whenever we come to church. Get involved in church. Don't just sit there like a bump on a pickle, but get involved. I mean, I mean, when you come to church, be a participator, not a spectator. And so we read this. Let me teach for, for just a few seconds and then we'll, I'll try to wrap it up here uh, with something. But we read, I read to you here today where it says where, where Paul, now get the picture, the, the Apostle Paul, he was known as Rabbi Shaul at that time, Rabbi Saul. And so he, he later, or as you know, he becomes Paul. But the first thing that happens to him is, and by the way, let me, let, me, let me point this out. He's on the road to Damascus. Now, you have to understand that every morning, whenever Paul ro- woke up, he was a Jew, and he would quote the Shema. The Shema says, Hear, O Israel, our God is one Lord. And that's my little Bible scholar there. But, but hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So every morning that whenever Saul would get up, he would quote the Shema. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Elohim, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So whenever Saul said to the light that shined from him, Who art thou, curious Lord? And the Bible said, And the Lord said to him, I am Jesus. You know what he was saying? He was saying, Paul, I'm the one you've been talking about every morning and every night. I am the Lord. I'm the one you've been quoting. I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And so he's blinded for three days. You know the story. And then he gets there and, and, and the scales drop off his eyes. What's the first thing he does when the scales drop off his eyes? So uh, Ananias says to him, what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized uh, and have your sins washed away, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, there have been whole 
oneness churches, elder, that have been rebaptized because they reasoned that Saul was the one who was told to call upon the name of the Lord. And if they reasoned, we're going to be, uh, be to, to emphasize in the name of the Lord elsewhere, then in the sense that the one doing the baptizing has to call on the name of the Lord, then we have to be consistent, they say, and say that the one being baptized should call on the name of the Lord as well. Can't make one salvific and the, the other not. Here's where you need to dig a little bit into the original languages, all right? Uh, the original Bible, the Old Testament, of course, written in Hebrew originally, New Testament written in Greek. Uh, the verbs, just stick with me here, I'm going to explain this as we go. The verbs translated baptize, wash, and calling are in what's called the permissive middle voice. Now let me explain that. Permissive simply means, nothing great, simply means permit the action to be done to you. Permissive middle voice. The verb calling is what's called in grammar a, a participle or more particular the participle of means. Let me explain that. It is descriptive of the verbs baptize and wash. If I said cleanse the garment washing it, the, the participle washing would describe how the action of cleansing took place, right? It further elucidates and explains the action of the main verbs. And so whenever Saul says to him, and, and, and the participle, by the way, is also in the permissive middle voice, when he says to him, have your sins washed, arise and, 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 and wash away your sins by calling on the name of the Lord, calling in the permissive middle voice, I have Eight grammars that say, get this means get his name called upon you. Permit his name. Permit yourself to be baptized. Permit your sins to be washed away. And how you're going to do that is by permitting the name of Jesus to be invoked upon you. If you have not had the name of Jesus invoked upon you, your sins are not washed away. It'd be a good night for somebody to get the name of Jesus invoked upon them in baptism tonight. Here is much water. What doth hinder? In Acts 2.38, when it says, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for, everybody said for, everybody say ace, you bunch of Bible scholars, ace is the Greek preposition translated for, and I have a word document with about 30 to 40 uh, uh, Greek professors that say that this particular preposition in Acts 2.38 means purpose or in order to obtain. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the purpose of, in order to obtain the remission or the forgiveness of sins. And, and, and so... Uh, the name invoked in baptism is the participle of means. It is the means by which uh, our sins are washed away. And so, what about that old thief on the cross? <laughs> Anybody ever heard anything about that? The thief on the cross was not water baptized. He did not have the Holy Spirit. And yet, Jesus said to him, You shall be with me this day in paradise. And so, people reason. That will hear Jesus Christ. And look how, how slick they can be. Je they say Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And they say so. Therefore, if He forgave him without being water baptized, and He was in He was in heaven, then He said they say that we don't need to be uh, baptized either. If the thief on the cross was not baptized. Uh, and, and, when, and then they even reason, you know, that we used to quote the scripture a lot. Hebrews 9, 16 says that a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it's of no strength at all while the testator lives. But, but denominal folks use that. And they will say, well, see right here. It says that a testament is a force. And by the way, the thief on the cross died after Jesus Christ. And so they say that the thief on the cross, Jesus dies first, thief dies, and then Hebrew says that a testament is a force after men are dead. So they reason that we're in the New Testament, and the thief on the cross is not baptized in Jesus' name. So then we don't have to be in the New Testament. Here's the answer, folks. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 said that if Christ be not risen, you are yet in your sins. Your faith is in vain. You cannot divorce the death from the burial, from the resurrection of Jesus. 
Jesus Christ or else you have a new covenant in effect prior to his burial and prior to his even taking off the cross or prior to him being resurrected from the dead. And the Bible defines the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-6 as the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, so again, Christ was not risen yet. The Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. They were not in the new covenant yet. And, 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 and so another objection is, okay, but if someone repents of their sins, and if they're sincere prior to baptism, prior to receiving the Holy Spirit, does God forgive them? Yes, God forgives them. Okay, so then if God forgives them, why do they have to be baptized? If they're forgiven by God, why do they have to be baptized? That's the arguments that we receive. And, and let me say this. Let me be very clear tonight. I want to clear this. I thank God for anybody that repents of their sins. I don't care if you call yourself Catholic, Presbyterian, Baptist. I don't care what you call yourself. I thank God for good people that repent of their sins and are trying to live a good moral life. I'm not here condemning nobody. I'm not here to hurt nobody. I'm just trying to tell us that we got to be saved by the Word of God. All right? And, and, and so if they re- repent and God forgives them, then are they saved? Listen, they have died out to the world. They have repented and thank God for that. But what do you do with dead people? You bury them, don't you? We don't leave corpses laid across uh, all over the all over littered all over the world, now do we? And Colossians two twelve says you're buried with Christ in baptism, and so we don't leave corpses spiritually littered. If they die to the world, then that person needs to be buried with Christ in baptism, so they can rise to walk in newness of life when they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so let me talk about them tongues. Oh, I knew it would get quiet. That's why I paused. Boy, the tongues, boy, boy, them tongues. Boy, you mentioned tongues to somebody out in the world, and brother, they, they tighten down on you. I mean, brother, I mean, you, I mean, look, they're looking for the, you, you know, they equate that with, with snake handling and all this kind of, I'm telling you, brother, the first rattler gets loose around here, this honky's out of here. You hear me? This white boy is making a way where there seemeth to be no way, all right? <laughs> And, and I'm just telling you, uh, uh, but that's not what that scripture, you can't connect them to, all right? The two do not necessarily, uh, uh, they don't at all go together, in fact. Uh, but I want to tell you, this tongue-talking message has been in God's forevision, for in His forethought, all the way back in the first book of the Bible. I know I've talked about this here before, but the path to Pentecost started in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 11, with the Tower of Babel, up to that time, they were all one language, they were all one nation, and then God confounds their language, and mankind starts the march, if you please. He divides the nations, and mankind starts marching, and they march through the rest of Genesis, and they march through uh, Exodus, and Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and and, and Joshua and Ruth and judges and, and they march through every minor prophet, through every major prophet. They march through the Hellenic and the intertestamental period. They march through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Finally, in Acts chapter 2, mankind arrives on the scene where God divided them and has been heading them to the whole time. And the Bible said they were there and they were devout from every nation under the sun. The nations that He divided in Genesis chapter 11 have now united in the book of Acts chapter 2 and when the Holy Spirit fell they started speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance the same instrument that God divided them with is the same instrument that God united them with in the book of Acts chapter 2 this tongue talking message has been in God's idea and in his thought all the way from the very first book in the Bible and, and there is the teaching called cessationism today. It says that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. They say that the, that, that was just for the apostolic age is what they, my, my mama tried that on me one time and it didn't, it didn't go very far, but she just won't hear it. But, but, uh, and, and she started in. I said, Mama, let me finish it for you. And I said, I can tell you what your preacher's telling you before you even finish. And I finished it. She said, that's right. That's right. I said, no, that's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> I said, let me, let me finish it for you. And she said, uh, and, and so, so I, I went on to tell. Now, what they say is that this is only for the apostolic age that we don't, you know, that they only talked in tongues in the apostolic age 
age that uh, we don't see miracles today and, and, and all that. But do you know that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, the Apostle Paul likened the gifts of the Spirit to the members of a body? And I want to tell you that the body of Christ is not an amputee here tonight, but the body of Christ has his eyes, he has all his ears, he has his hands, he has his feet. The body of Christ, is, and I'm not uh, trying to speak, please don't think I'm despairing toward anybody that is amputee, but I'm saying the body of Jesus Christ has all of his faculties in place, and his, all, his, all his members are working just perfectly. 1 Corinthians 1, 7 said that, that you come behind and no gift waiting for the coming of the Lord. And so the gifts of the Spirit are in place until Jesus Christ comes back for His church. And so I, uh, but, but if there be no interpreter, let them keep silent in the church. Boy, anybody heard that? Sure they have. I was at a, uh, I'm going to say this and I'm done. I was at a, uh, when I was pastoring last place we were at, I was in the gym one day talking to this guy about, about this and this issue comes up. He said, well, Mr. Perkins, the Bible says if there's going to be, if any tongues go forward, he said, there's got to be an, an interpretation. And, and so I said, well, and, and he said, or, or either they have to keep silence, what he said. He said, or else they have to keep silent in the church. I said, well, you're only quoting part of the verse. It says, and he goes on to say, and let him speak, laleo, let him speak to himself and to God. Does not mean dip the lip, but it simply means you're not addressing the church congregation anymore. And besides that, I told him this, and it show you how people have ears to hear, but they will not hear. I told him, I said, and besides that, it says, let it be at two or at the most three in 1 Corinthians and let one interpret and let it be done by course. If they were prophesied, let it be done successive. Let it be done in order. He's trying to avoid mass confusion in the church. And, and so I'm telling him, this. I said, yet in Acts chapter 2, 120 of them spoke in tongues simultaneously and there was no interpretation called for or given. Acts chapter 8, the Samaritans spoke in tongues. The context is clear. And there was no interpretation called for or given. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius in his household, far more than two or three, brother, spoke in tongues. There was no interpretation called for or given. Acts chapter 19, there was 12 of them who spoke in tongues. It was done simultaneously and they prophesied simultaneously. There was no interpretation called for or given. I said, so the tongues that you're describing and read about in 1 Corinthians is different and distinct from the tongues when you first received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You know what he said? He said, yeah, but the Bible says there has to be an interpreter. Ah, just, okay, God, God bless you. Have a good day. They just will not hear. They just do not have ears to hear. And, and so, and I'll prove this. Let me take it a step further. In 1 Corinthians, the gifts of the Spirit, it talks about the gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge and the gift of faith. Yet to every man has been dealt the measure of faith. So there's some who have some faith. And, and uh, some, some people have a wisdom. And you might find a few that have some knowledge, but not a whole lot. But, but some be, most people have some form of knowledge. And, and so uh, we, all, we all have wisdom. We all have knowledge. And, and we all have been given faith. But then there is an additive, a supernatural gift of the gift of knowledge that is an additive to that already existent knowledge. There is a gift of wisdom that's an additive to that already existent wisdom, and there is the gift of faith that is an additive to that already existent faith. So likewise, he's writing to the church and he mentions the gift of tongues that was an additive to the tongues that they already had. He was talking about the gift of tongues and interpretation in the church. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And, 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 and so, uh, and let me, let me dispel any feelings of well, fear of, uh, of tongue. You know, you, 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 everybody in this building, whether you've received the ha- baptism of the Holy Spirit or not, you speak in a tongue. It may be English, but that's still a dialect, still a language. So there's nothing spooky about tongues. You just receive the Holy Spirit. You speak in another tongue when you receive the baptism. Oh, that's just another dialect. Not spooky about it. It's just another language. And here's why. Because that tongue is the most unruly member that no man can tame. But the Spirit of God can tame that tongue. And it shows an inward submission, that last stubborn, unruly 
unruly member, whenever it submits itself to the dominance and the lordship of Christ, then Christ moves in. And I want to tell you, Christ is not rude. He does not move in and not speak, all right? He does not move into the house and not announce his arrival. What would it be for somebody to come knocking, uh, entering a door of your house and just plop down and not say nothing to you and not announce that they're here? God is not rude. God announces his arrival whenever he shows up. Whenever he enters the house, he announces his arrival. Listen, we don't give birth. The church does not give birth to stillborn babies, all right? Stillborn babies are those that would be born, but there's no tongue. There's no crying out to them. The church does not give birth to stillborn babies. And I want to tell you that as I close here tonight, that, that let's, let's dive deep for a moment here uh, before, before we wrap it up. The role of water in the Bible is always a new beginning or a fresh start. Baptism is not just a conscience soother, all right? It is a new beginning. It is a starting over in your life. It's a newness of life. The, the, the eight souls were saved in the days of Noah. It was a new beginning. See the connection with new beginning and water. The Red Sea was a new start for Israel. Whenever God created humanity, He created and He created him 80% water. And it was a new creation because He had created everything, saving His best for last. And it was a new... Whenever NASA goes out looking for life on other planets, what's the first thing they're looking for? Water. Because without water, there can be no life. No wonder Jesus said you got to be born again of water and of the Spirit to end without water there can be no life the Jewish bride on her day today on, on a day of her wedding she undergoes what's called a mikvah just read this online you can go to jewishencyclopedia.com and read this she undergoes a total immersion on the day that she's going to have her name changed on the day that the Jewish bride becomes a part, of, or rather, she is being married to the bridegroom, she undergoes a washing on the day she gets her name changed. We're the bride of Christ, and we underwent a washing, and we got our name changed on that same day. And it's not the name Father, Son, Holy Ghost, but it's the name of Jesus Christ. And, and, and... And the, the priest of the Old Testament, the Exodus or Leviticus, just says, let them wash with water. But in the New Testament, Hebrews, uh, he's talking, in, and, and the writer refers to various washings, and the Greek verb is baptismo. It's where we get the English word baptism. And whenever the priest going out of office, or rather the priest coming into office, rather, would be immersed by the priest going out of office, and he would invoke Adonai over this one that was being immersed. It was the Hebrew equivalent for the name of Yahweh. They would not pronounce the name, so they would use the substitutionary Adonai, meaning Lord, and they would pronounce that equivalent of the name over the one, the priest that was coming into office. John the Baptist is representing the house of Aaron representing the Old Testament priesthood rather and he baptizes the one that is coming into office because he has to leave office he, I must decrease so that he can increase and at the same time there was a heavenly language announcing sonship this is my son in whom I am well pleased there's still a heavenly language announcing sonship when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Say this and I'm done. The high, you, we've heard this before. Of, of, uh, probably some of you have heard that under the Old Testament they would tie a rope to the guy's ankle whenever he would go into the most holy place to offer the sins for the uh, to to offer sins for the for the uh, for, for the for the sins of the people. Offer the blood rather for the sins of the people, and then then they say if that if that sacrifice wasn't accepted, they drag him out. There ain't no Bible to that. You won't find that nowhere in the Bible. There's no word of God to that. Uh, in fact, they didn't even have on their ephod. They didn't even have their outer garment on. They, they had this, listen now, and I'm done. But they had this outer garment, or rather the outer garment was, was shucked. It was, it was taken off in the most, or rather in the holy place before they went into the most holy place behind the veil. And so you know about the ephod, the, the priestly garment. It had those bells on the bottom of it. And had that gold, uh, golden bells. And whenever they would hear those golden bells moving, then they knew that the priest had came, high priest had came back out. And he would put those bells on. And when those, those, that little tongue.
rung in the middle of that, of that bell started uh, jingling, then they knew that the high priest had came back out of the most holy place and the sacrifice had been accepted. Their sins had been rolled forward one year. Let me tell you that Jesus Christ is our great high priest. And you know what was happening in Acts chapter 2? The Holy Ghost had went, the high priest rather, had went into the heavens. And then he said, I will not leave you as, com- uh, as orphans or comfortless. I will come back to you. And those divine tongues started going off. And those holy tongues started going off. That was heaven's way of saying, I've accepted the sacrifice. And I got a feeling everything's going to be alright. Heaven has accepted the sacrifice. And now I stand behind the propitiation work of Jesus Christ. And I'm made justified not because of who I am, but because of who He is. Because of what He's done. Let's stand right now. I know a pastor in Alabama. Listen, his name is Chris Teeple. I've got his phone number. I can put you on the phone with him. I know this guy. He pastors in Alabama, and he, he told this, he, he's a pastoring a church there. He said one day he had a Jewish visitor that came in. Listen, and after church, this Jewish visitor comes to him. Now, again, I know Brother Teeple. This is not something I heard about over in Ethiopia. I know him. And Brother Teeple comes to him, or rather the man, the Jewish visitor comes to him, and this man spoke several languages. He, he traveled the world. He spoke, you know, most countries other than America do speak more than one language. And, and this man spoke several languages. And he came to Brother Teeple asking him, had he been to school for Japanese? This man understood fluent Japanese. He said, because during altar call today, He said, you said in fluent Japanese, turn to the right path and get in the center of the path. This is the light. I'm telling you, this is still the light. You hear me? This is still the light that heaven has sent from heaven. I, I, I know I think I've said this before, but missionary Jason Hood, he used to assist Brother Joyner over in uh, Belize. He now travels. I'm not talking about the guy that passed away a couple of uh, years ago. There's another Jason Hood. And brother, I, again, I know him too. Again, put you on the phone with him. I saw where he said this with my own eye. He used to pastor or assist pastor over in East Texas. And one night, they had during church, they had a had a visitor walk in, and everybody's you know worshiping, praising God like you were here tonight. And he said that that missionary, or rather that that visitor, all of a sudden just breaks and runs to the front and grabs the pastor and says, "Hey, you got to baptize me in Jesus' name right now." You got to. He's really upset. He's just ashen and shaking and just clearly upset. And so uh, uh, this pastor directs him to a little uh, room on the side and where he can put on his baptismal robe and told Brother Hood, he said, go find out what this guy's deal is. And, and so Brother Hood said that he walked into the room and he said that the man was sitting there visibly shaken. And Brother Hood uh, uh, was, you know, walked up to him and he said, the man asked him, he said, he said, how on earth did you teach all these people Hebrew? And Brother Hood said, look, man, you're in East Texas. They don't even speak good English, let alone Hebrew. All right? And so he sure ain't taught them no Hebrew, brother. And, and so uh, here's the man's story. He was raised an Orthodox Jew. He reads and writes uh, real Hebrew. He left, or rather was thrown out of Judaism for marrying a Gentile woman. They threw him out. He described a lady in the church who Brother Hood knew exactly who he was talking about. He said that she looked at him and said in perfect Hebrew during worship, why do you wait? accept your Messiah and be baptized in His name. He is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Oh, I'm telling you, why do you wait tonight? Why don't you be baptized in Jesus' name and accept your Messiah? Brother Hood said the man died four years later and he said the insights into the oneness of God he had were phenomenal because he was a Jew and he fully understood it. I'm telling you tonight, we've been blessed with a glorious salvation. And I'm telling you, I am thankful tonight. And you, if you're here tonight, you can have that same salvation. You can be baptized in Jesus' name. You can receive the name of that Messiah. Why don't we just lift our hands and pray tonight and worship Him. Oh, come on. Why don't we be thankful tonight for what He's done for us. Why do you wait? Oh, let's